citizen soldiers of the Continental Army had performed well in their early battles, but extended campaigning had exposed a chink in their armor, and the British Army ruthlessly exploited that weakness. Following two major defeats, George Washington limped the Continental Army through swirling snow and biting cold into winter quarters. The losses at Germantown and Brandywine had exposed that an army could not win on fighting spirit alone, and training and reorganization would be required. It was time to temper the steel of his men and hone their fighting edge. What better place to smithy this force than here at Valley Forge? The force that arrived on this frozen patch of earth was less an army than it was a band of survivors, with some units at less than a third of their authorized strength. Encamped in nearly 2,000 wooden huts just like these, the men of the Continental Army at Valley Forge were representative of the diverse makeup of colonial America at that time. Among their ranks were men from the 13 original colonies, second and third generation English settlers, recent German and Irish immigrants, free and enslaved African Americans, and even a contingent of Native American warriors. Though the men experienced the encampment in different ways based on their race or social position, the biting cold of the Pennsylvania winter was the great equalizer. Joseph Plum Martin, a soldier in the 8th Connecticut Regiment, recalled his unit's conditions upon arrival. We were now truly in forlorn condition. No clothing, no provisions, and as disheartened as need be, our prospect was indeed dreary. It was under these conditions that the Continental Army began its fateful transformation. Under a Prussian drill master named Friedrich von Steuben, this Continental Force was put to task. Von Steuben created a model company whose training he personally oversaw. He focused on the manual of arms, firing orders, and movement formations, and soon this ragtag group was transformed into a lethal fighting force. Von Steuben dispersed his model company across the army at Valley Forge. These subject matter experts transformed the host into a professional army. Day after day, month after month, the drilling instruction continued, and the American regiments became hardened and more disciplined. The regular routine of camp duties, training, and guard mount generated confidence and proficiency. Joseph Plum Martin recalled, there was no cessation of duty in the Army. There was no going home and spending the winter season among friends, recruiting a new strength of spirit. There was only constant drill, winter and summer. Like an old horse at the mill, a continual routine. One of the legacies of Valley Forge was the development of a standard manual of army drill. Continental soldiers and officers used a variety of books and battlefield experience to influence tactics early in the war, but Valley Forge saw the army adopt its first official manual for drill. The Blue Book, as it was known, would continue to serve as the U.S. Army's official drill manual until 1813. While training continued, the Continental Congress authorized a change in the size and makeup of the regiments, creating new brigades and eventually five new divisions. Additionally, experts arrived from Europe and provided critical training for the specialty branches of the Continental Army. They provided a focus on bridging and fortifications, which continues with the engineering branch to this day. The Continental Artillery, Cavalry, Inspector General, Quartermaster, and even Military Police received an overhaul 
with a focus on essential training for both combat arms and support elements. When Washington's men marched out of Valley Forge in June of 1778, they were a transformed force. No longer a ragtag militia, they were a predecessor to the most lethal military in history. At the Battle of Monmouth, they demonstrated what they had learned and drove the British from the field of battle. Valley Forge is often regarded as the birthplace of the American Army. Army National Guard units like the 181st Infantry, Massachusetts Army National Guard, the 103rd Engineers, Pennsylvania Army National Guard, and the 175th Infantry, Maryland Army National Guard, are all direct descendants of units who encamped in these buildings in the Pennsylvania countryside. Beyond our unit's lineage, as we look at the story of the encampment, we can see an enduring legacy which still shapes our force to this day. It is here that we saw the foundation of our first training doctrine and drill manual. It is also here that the Army learned how to adapt its makeup to the ever-evolving demands of warfare. Today we regularly undergo reorganizations, reflagging units and developing new reporting structures, such as a division alignment for training, which helps us prepare for the future. The National Guard of today also mirrors the diversity of the Continental Army. The Army National Guard is made up of soldiers from all our states and territories, now numbering 54. Since those days, we have made great strides to eradicate the injustices of yesteryear, and now soldiers from all ethnicities, religions, and backgrounds serve side by side. Our diverse makeup today, as in the winter of 1777 and 78, is part of what makes us who we are. Despite where we may come from and what our background is, we endure both hardship and victory together, and continue to strive for what our forebears fought and died in pursuit of, a more perfect union. Though the Army National Guard has changed greatly since that frigid winter, the sacrifices of our forebears provides a tremendous legacy for us to build on.